Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast. On today's podcast, we will be joined by the New York Jets 26-year-old wide receiver Braxton Berrios, who in March re-signed with the Jets on a two-year $12 million contract. He'll talk about his journey of going from a sixth-round draft pick at Miami to the New England Patriots to being released there to landing with the New York Jets to the way that this season stacks up for his current team. Now, we ordinarily are in the quietest time of the NFL year. This is when coaches, players, front office members, executives, whoever it may be, takes their downtime to get ready for the craziness that's ahead less than one month from now when training camps open across the league. That doesn't mean that there aren't issues and storylines unfolding in the National Football League because there are. And oddly enough, many of them revolve around the AFC North and the AFC North quarterbacks. None bigger than the disciplinary hearing between the NFL and the NFL Players Association regarding Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson that will begin to be heard this week by Judge Sue L. Robinson. And who would have thought that the mindset and thoughts of Sue L. Robinson would have the type of impact on this NFL season that it will, but that's exactly what's happening. Sue L. Robinson, Judge Sue L. Robinson, now looms as one of the central figures that will impact and influence what happens this football season in Cleveland, in the AFC North, in the AFC, her decision on how to handle Deshaun Watson's potential discipline will impact all of those and will go a long way towards determining how the football season plays out in Cleveland. And the interesting thing about her decision is when you talk to people familiar with the case, nobody knows what Sue L. Robinson is thinking because there's no track record here. This is really the first significant case to be heard under the new collective bargaining agreement that was put together in the winter of 2020. And Judge Sue L. Robinson will make a decision that has tremendous influence with no track record to know what she's thinking. What we do know is that the NFL would like to impose a lengthy suspension of Deshaun Watson of roughly one year. We know that the NFL PA, its job is to defend Deshaun Watson, and it believes that discipline should be limited if it's imposed even at all. And so the truth of the matter is, is the NFL PA wants zero games and the NFL wants at least a year. And so in the end, it's going to come in somewhere between there. Now, again, it's hard to know exactly what Judge Robinson is thinking. I think when people with a legal background are asked about this and asked to render their opinions, I think it comes back to me that it could be anywhere from a very short suspension to anywhere between 12 and 16 games. So there's a wide range in here. The games will be the verdict from the judge. There's a huge range. People believe that Roger Goodell, even though he is the appeals officer, won't change what she does, even if she has the ability to do it if she finds a violation from Deshaun Watson. So that's one major significant quarterback issue 
in the AFC North. And then, of course, there's Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. And there are people wondering whether he'll report to training camp, whether Cleveland would be willing to release him before it reported, or whether the Browns would be willing to hold on to him, considering that his $18.85 million salary is already guaranteed for this coming season. So that's the second significant Browns quarterback issue, not as significant as Deshaun Watson, but still one to watch as the season unfolds, as is the case in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson heading into the last year of his contract, people waiting to see if he does a new deal. And we go back to last offseason. At this time last year, people thought he should be doing a contract. Then he waited. Some people thought it was a risk. I thought it was a risk. And it turned out to work out in his favor because this offseason alone, we've seen Aaron Rodgers sign a new deal for over $50 million a year. We've seen Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr land deals over $40 million a year. And the price for Lamar Jackson has gone up, but it's gone up to the point where now, if you speak to some people, they believe this is the time for Lamar Jackson to do his deal. Deshaun Watson got his deal fully guaranteed. That has to serve as something of a benchmark for Jackson. Don't know that the Ravens will be willing to go there. That'll be up for the two sides to discuss here and hash out and figure out their differences. But that will be another major AFC North storyline here regarding Lamar Jackson and his financial future and whether or not it's in Baltimore, which many believe it will be. And I think my guess and my prediction is just common sense tells you that sometime before this season begins, Lamar Jackson will have a new deal from the Baltimore Ravens. That's my prediction. That's my guess. And we'll see whether or not it plays out that way. That will be, to me, the wise thing for him to do. And then we also have a quarterback battle in Pittsburgh that's not shaping up right now as much of a battle at all. Right now, Mitch Trubisky goes into camp as the favorite, the favorite to win the Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback job. When you talk to people around the Steelers organization, they say that Trubisky shined during many camps, looked really strong. Looks like he, he is ready to become a starting quarterback here. And Kenny Pickett, first-round draft pick, rookie, looked like a rookie. Now, they could go to training camp and Pickett all of a sudden could pick up things in a rush and things could change. But I think going into training camp, Mitch Trubisky is the favorite to become the next starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the man to succeed. Ben Roethlisberger, but we've got Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett. That's just in the AFC North, which I think this summer is the quarterback division to watch. And we'll see how that all unfolds. But today we go to a wide receiver in the AFC East, a man who has essentially made himself a self-made man, a former sixth round draft pick of the New England Patriots, a man who was told he wasn't good enough for New England, a man who caught on in New York, a man who developed into one of Zach Wilson's favorite targets last season, and who, oh, by the way, which we will get to at some point in this podcast, is dating the sister of the former Miss Universe, Olivia Culpo. That's Braxton Berrios dating Sophia Culpo. And Berrios recently joined us to talk about this and more. Braxton. How are we doing? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain. How about you? Thank you very much for doing this. And thank you for being flexible with your schedule to get this done today. I appreciate it. 
No, of course. Of course. I'm glad we could finally do it. Yeah, you've been busy this offseason now or not? Uh, you know, with OTAs and stuff. We just got out last week. So, you know, it's been uh, it's, it's been an easier week. Um, and then I've been training, and then I'll go down to Miami a little bit in two days to, uh, to train there. What's it like to train in Miami in July? It's, that's the reason I train in Miami in July. Because, well, <laughs> you know, I, I went to the U. So in right? my mind, there, you know, as far as conditions go, you can't have anything worse than July and August in Miami. There's just, you, you just can't do it. So it, it prepares me. So when I go up here, obviously, right. in, uh, to Florham Park in late July and August through camp, the hottest day in the world up here still does not come anything close to South Florida. Do you feel like you're in better shape and better condition than those other guys because of the conditions that you trained in during July? Absolutely. I think it's, yeah. I think it's a big advantage doing that. Um, and a lot of the guys, you know, they're, they're in Florida as well. There's some in Texas, which I think is pretty similar, um, a little bit less on the humidity. Obviously, it's dry heat. But I truly do. And, and you know, whether it's placebo thing or not, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. If you think it's working, then it's working. But I, I do. I feel the best. Let's put it this way. I feel the best prepared yeah. going into camp when I've been training in Miami. Yeah, I've said this on this podcast before, but we would talk to Rex Ryan and we'd always say, what's the toughest place in the league to play? And he would say that the toughest place to play, and he doesn't care about the opponent, is Miami, especially early in the year. First of all, because of the heat and the humidity, which you're training in, and also because, I guess, the visiting bench is in the sun. And you said it's miserable. You would never think that that is the place that's so tough to play, especially early in the year. But Rex maintained that that was the toughest place to play. I can I, I can believe that. And I understand why, because, you know, obviously I was on the home sideline in college yeah. and they engineered Hard Rock Stadium to have the visiting team in the sun the whole game, the entire game. So even, you know, it's and, we, you know, in college, you'd have noon games. So from noon on, we'd be, you know, with the cooling fans, we'd be in the shade and we look at the other sideline and they're just they're just getting beat. And so now being on the other sideline, I, I think it is absolutely an advantage. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the weather is going to be the weather. It's 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 going to take it out of you. But I, I I understand why Rex would say that. So let me get this straight. You were a sixth round pick in 2018 by the New England mm -hmm. Patriots. And then this offseason, you go ahead and you sign a big new deal with the New York Jets, a two-year, $12 million contract. What is it like for a guy who's drafted as a sixth round pick, who essentially is then waived in August of 2019 to go land a two-year, $12 million contract. It's, it's a long, it's a long road. I, I shortly put it's, it's a long road. Um, you know, it, 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 it feels incredible. Um, I'm so glad to be back in New York. Um, I'm really, really happy that that worked out obviously. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's not easy. You know, you're, uh, you're, you're kind of fighting and scratching the, the whole way. And I think that's kind of, you know, uh, is the, is the sum of my story, you know, caught on when I had the opportunities. And, uh, you know, last year, obviously, I, I had more than in previous years. And, um, you know, just just make good on them. You bring up that long road. And that was one of the first things that you said, long road. So when you think about that long road, yep. what stands out to you about it, Braxton? Um, it, 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 it takes a lot of, uh, you know, perseverance. And I know it sounds cliche, but 
I mean, you, you have to see it. You have to believe it when really it feels like nobody else does. Um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm utmost grateful to, uh, to new England, you know, Co- coach Belichick and obviously that organization, um, for, for giving me that, that chance. And, you know, I always say I, I learned more in, in the year there that I was than, you know, really I kind of ever in my career about football, you know, I got to sit in those meeting rooms with, with Tom Brady, with, uh, coach Josh McDaniels, which is obviously over in, uh, Las Vegas now, um, you know, got to learn from guys like Edelman, you know, Chris Hogan in the room, uh, Matthew Slater, you know, from a special teams perspective. And I mean, really, I I feel like I got a, I got a PhD in football over there. Um, and you know, it, it it didn't work out for, for whatever reasons. And, you know, obviously looking back, it's, you know, it's the best thing that ever happened because it, it really, um, you know, it, it, it felt like the back was against the wall there, you know? And, uh, and just, I, I kept going, obviously, and, you know, found ways to, uh, to be productive. And obviously in the return game was, was the first way. And then, um, you know, really, really wanted to make sure that I was seen as a receiver as well. And really over the last two years, I've gotten a lot more of those opportunities. And then, you know, you marry those opportunities with now, you know, being named, uh, you know, the first team all pro last year as the kick returner, you know, it, it finally full circle it's you know maybe maybe starting to uh to work out a little bit but you know that's that's just been the story of it all just just believing it when nobody else does you bring up the long road you bring up some of the people that you learn from and obviously bill belichick and tom brady are all-time icons in this game tell me Absolutely. something that you picked up or learned from each one of them that you carried with you to new york and we'll start with bill belichick there, there's honestly, there's an absolute book that I could write over the things that I learned from coach wow. Belichick. I mean, wow. he's, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. It really is. Um, but I, but I think the one that always comes to mind, the one that sticks with me to the today, um, the most probably every day is in the NFL, you have to, uh, keep from losing before you can win. You know, it's, it's not a game of, of really one game. It's, it's, uh, NFL is a game of loss games and the margin for errors is so little. So to win, you have to keep from losing. And I, and I always think about that because, you know, the little things, they, they matter. You know, of course, you're going to have turnovers. You're going to have big plays, bad plays. All that's going to happen. But it really comes down to, uh, you know, the, the, the blocking assignment. Make sure you get your guy. Don't let him get the tackle. Um, and it's, it's the little things. That extra, that extra yard matters because instead of third and one, it could be first and ten. So I think it's really those, those tiny, tiny details in the game that we don't think about from a play to play down, or at least most people don't that really can add up and help you uh, keep from losing. There was a person in the New England organization before we go into Tom Brady who once told me it's not about winning in this league. It's that 75% of the teams beat themselves. And that sounds sounds consistent with what you're talking about to win. You got to keep from losing. Games are lost, not won for the most part. I mean, they really are. That's what happens in the NFL, right? That's what happens. I mean, the mar- the margin for error is so small. I mean, you have you have the the most athletic for the most part, the most athletic guys in the world, right? Fastest, toughest, you know, biggest. The combination of you know, you, we have DNs running four fours and D linemen running four fives now. You know, it's yeah. it, it's incredible the the athleticism and the trajectory of the game. But it's it's true. I mean, seventy five percent of the games in the NFL are are lost and not won. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. 
One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Or what about Tom Brady? Because you mentioned you could write a book on Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's still going here at the age of 45. Presumably he may be doing it at 55 or 65 for all we know. <laughs> what about no him telling. stands out? Like there's got, I see you drinking water. Is that something you picked up from him? <laughs> that That is one of the things that I actually had as a habit going into the NFL, believe it or not. Miami <laughs> does that to you. Um, yeah. same, same thing. Um, truly from a, you know, I, I think Coach Belichick, obviously from a, you know, just football perspective, you know, uh, overall, but, you know, Brady, as far as really, offense goes um you know I, I was a sponge that first year you know yeah. I, I ended up on IR so I uh you know I it playing was off the table in that first year right so it's like okay how can I be productive you know I can I can work on my body I can mentally I can have it all you know I can have it all down pat and I did and that's really what I focused on and, and I became a sponge that year um and I think one of the coolest things about that was being in those rooms and, you know, obviously coach Josh McDaniels was, was running the, the offensive rooms, but at times, you know, Tom would stop him and he'd say, Hey guys, like, just so you know, this is what I see. This is what I'm looking at. You know, this is, this is my progression here. And this is why, you know, whatever they went to, you know, obviously they rotated down late. So now I'm thinking, so taking that and figuring out, understanding that he favored his receivers based on how they were able to see the things that he did, right? Mm. You know, the Gronk on the same page, Edelman, all the guys, Moss, you know, all those guys that you would look back and say, oh, like that was his favorite receiver. Well, it, it, there was a reason to it. It wasn't because, you know, they, they played golf together or, you know, they, they could joke the best, but it was because they made the game easier for him because they were where he knew they were supposed to be when they were supposed to be there. So I think like learning that, that, mm. This game is about, you know, obviously the the details, but trying to see things through the quarterback's eyes that I've I've really taken up and I and I say it all the time, um, you know, to to my teammates and you know, openly to the media about, you know, everybody asks about mine and Zach's chemistry. And I say, my job's to be where he thinks I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. And mm-hmm. if I can do that, it builds the trust, it builds the chemistry. And now when, you know, for lack of a better word, whatever hits the fan. He knows, okay, I know he's going to be where he needs to be. And that's, that's, I I can always go there. You know, that's an option that's always going to be on the table in any given play. Did you think that way in Miami? 
I, I did, but it was it was a little bit. It's, it's a little bit different. It's, it's not as complex. Defenses aren't exactly the same. They're not rotating pre and post snap as much, or at least they're giving it away beforehand. You know, and I did. You know, I've always tried to be the most reliable guy on the field. Um, as aside from the quarterback, as far as you know, just knowing what everybody on the field has and where they're supposed to be, and depth and spacing. So I did try to be that, but I think sitting in those those meeting rooms for that year, um, hearing them talk about it and, and really stress it, that was uh, that was kind of my my eye opener. I'm like, okay, that's that's step one. If you can be a hundred percent right on all your assignments and being where you're supposed to be, that's a huge step that not many people can take. Now, when you were drafted there in New England back in 2018 in the sixth round, when you walk into that complex the first time and you meet Tom Brady. You nervous? You remember anything about that first encounter with him? Hey, I'm Tom. That's it. I mean, that, that's that's for and, and and it's obviously you know he he knows he doesn't have to do that. He but he does it and it and it's genuine. You know, it's hey, I'm Tom. You know, what welcome to the team. And <laughs> you know, you try to fumble through your words and get out the your name and and whatnot. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty surreal. What was going through your mind when he introduces himself? When Tom introduces Tom? you don't have, you don't have to do this. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, you're, you're a really nice, nice man, but you, you don't have to do that. But I, I, I did appreciate it. it. Made you feel, uh, made you feel welcome. And, you know, for the 0.5 seconds that, you know, that, that was coming out of his mouth, you were, you, you were equal for a second, right? <laughs> <laughs> for a second, right? <laughs> for a second, split second. Um, and what about it, meeting? It was, it was really cool. And what about meeting Bill for the first time? Like what was, was there any liquid running down your leg or anything like that? <laughs> No, no, there wasn't. We uh, luckily enough, we we had the conversation when they, you know, when when they drafted me. Yeah. So we spoke over the phone, and then when I got there in person, it was, you know, it was very, very, very business like. Um, you know, obviously a warm welcome, welcome to the team. But you know, this is this is what we're gonna do. This is how things get done here. And you know, it, it was very from from the jump, it was it was very professional. And a, a lot of people don't realize this, but you have a ring from the New England Patriots, a Super Bowl ring, yeah. right? You yep. carry that with you. People ask you about that. Do you take pride in that? You didn't play that year. You were on IR, right? But what does that yeah. ring mean to you? You know, it was uh, honestly, it was, it was, it was interesting at first because, you know, as a, as a competitor, you know, you, 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 you battle that, right? Like I, I was on IR. Okay. So I, I didn't play. And as a competitor, you know, it, it, it hurts, you know, you, you enjoy all the experiences and obviously, you know, you, you root like hell for your team to win. And that's, you know, you, you want to win. And then when it comes down to it, you want the Super Bowl, you're celebrating, you're celebrating. And, you know, it, it's awesome until, you know, the, you know, the week after it, it creeps in, like, you know, did, did I, did I deserve it? And, you know, <laughs> I am, I am proud of it. I am proud of it. And, and I think it, it took me a little bit as a competitor to, to realize that, you know what? Yeah, I, I deserved it. You know, it's like saying, okay, the, you know, the assistant coach didn't call a play, you know, does he, yeah, he does. He did so much. And that whole year, uh, along for the meetings, you know, I, I wrote up, I wrote up scouting reports on the teams on other teams' defenses and their their DBs, and I and I studied them. And you know, luckily, I'm in the exact same division that I was back then. So you know, all those things that I studied and who I studied comes up often now, and I remember them. And so at at first, it is tough, truly, as as a competitor to accept that that you didn't play yet, you have a ring, and you know how to go about this, how to feel about it. But you know, obviously, I've, I've come to a point where. I, I'm extremely proud of it. I always have been. Um, you know, I do. I, I don't carry it with me, but it's somewhere. You know, I, I do show it off at times that I can. And 
you know, I'm really, I'm really thankful for obviously the opportunity they gave me. And, you know, the fact that they, they, they kept me, you know, they, they put me on IR. So I was able to experience all of that and, and get that ring. And, you know, I'll forever be grateful for that. You know, if the Jets could make a playoff run, could you and would you ever consider bringing in your Super Bowl ring to show your Jets teammates and members of the organization a Patriots Super Bowl ring? Because there probably aren't many people in the Jets organization right now that actually have a Super Bowl ring like yourself. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I would for a few different reasons. I don't know if I would bring that in. I think if if there was a time and place where I felt it was absolutely appropriate. You know, I, I guess I would, that would still be on the table. I can't imagine what that situation would be right now, but if there was, I, I wouldn't be absolutely <laughs> against it just for the, um, you know, the, the metaphor of it, you know, the, the purpose of it, you know, not to say that this was X, Y, Z and I have a ring and look at me. I don't, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I can never be that guy, but yeah. if it was needed, I can, I can see, I can see a way. Let me take you back to that day. On August 30th, 2019, the Patriots waive you. You find that you're being released. And the very mm-hmm. next day, on September 1st, 2019, you're claimed off waivers by the New York Jets. What is it like for a former New England Patriot to find out that he's claimed on waivers by the New York Jets? Well, you realize you're going to be very familiar with a team uh, twice a year, at least. You know, you... Uh, I, I, you know what, I might get killed for saying this, but, you know, my, my, a bunch of my family's from Miami. My dad's from Miami. I, I grew up a Miami Hurricanes fan, you know, and I grew up a Dolphins fan because I yeah. grew up a Miami sports fan. And I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, so it's, it's a little bit out of there. But my one real goal in life, you know, growing up was to play for the U. And so mm-hmm. to go to New England, which, you know, I was very familiar with it because of that rivalry with the Dolphins. And, again, now it's, it's what I do. It's what I love to do. So I, I'm, I'm not a Dolphins fan. Um, and then to go from New England to then New York, it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm very familiar with this, with this, uh, division now, but you know, for me, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that big of, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, you know, obviously Adam Gase was, was over with the jets and he was with the dolphins when I was in college. And that was really ah. the connection there. And I know, you know, Joe Douglas was, I believe with Philadelphia, my draft class year. 2018 coming out and we spoke a decent amount of times in that process. Hmm. So there, there was some familiarity there uh, from, for why I went from new England to New York. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that weird besides the fact that I knew I'd be playing, you know, my old team twice a year, at least. Because the Patriots have won so much and the jets have struggled to reach that area. So as somebody who's been in both places, can you look at what went on in New England, aside from Tom Brady, and look at what is taking place in New York and say, this is what's missing? You know, I, I think when I got there, 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 were, there were vast differences. Um, you know, just, just an immediate first reaction. There, there, you know, there are differences. There are different programs, different systems. I mean, it, there are differences. and. Yep. You know, I'm not in the business of comparing and contrasting every single one of them, but I, I, what I will say is, you know, obviously when I when I got there in 2019, you know, August or September of 21st of September uh, 2019, till what is this June, whatever of 2022, it, it's a different world. Um, and and credit that all to you know upstairs our uh, our ownership, 
um, you know, our, our obviously executive level, the coach or coach Douglas, Joe Douglas, um, and all of them, they've, they've done an incredible job of, of really turning the page on this organization. And, you know, I'm, I, I can't tell you, and it might sound like, you know, I'm being a fan, but I can't tell you how really excited I am to get this season going because mm. I mean, look, we, we have all the potential in the world and, you know, potential is just that until games are actually played. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't, I don't care about the hype. I don't care about talking about how good we should or could be. It's the fact of the matter is, you know, our win loss column is, is going to be what we are, but three years ago, we we're, were completely different place. And I'm very excited for that. Well, what gets you most excited about this team having now gone through OTAs and mandatory minicamp and seen what you have with the vantage point you've had here mm-hmm. up close, what gets you excited about this group? It's it, honestly, it's, it's a lot of things, but I think this, this off season, you know, last year we were, and, and, and I don't use this as an excuse because at the end of the day, every team has any excuse in the world they want. It's wins and losses. But we, you know, we were very young. We had a lot, a lot of young guys um, playing a, a lot of minutes, which mm-hmm. is which is very good from a, I guess, building standpoint. And you had those guys who got all that experience, um, obviously, and not a great season. So you know, you you had a fight and claw. We were four and thirteen, but they got a ton of experience in, and so those guys are not even close to rookies anymore. Then free agency, we signed a lot of veterans, um, a lot of you know high level players smart, intelligent football IQ, but just absolute workers um, that get the job done. And so I think, you know, you marry that young team getting that experience and then bringing in guys who've been in winning programs and know how to do it. Um, and then obviously, you know, our, our draft class from this year, I mean, we, we, we have everything that we need. Um, mm-hmm. Now it, it, it comes down to, it comes down to execute. And that's, that's all it is. It's, can we execute at a high level consistently? Give me a couple of guys that popped to you during the offseason program. And I know you're going against each other, so it may be hard to tell. But a couple of guys who flashed who you think will make an impact this season and open some eyes. You know, we, we have we have guys all across the board. I mean, you, you have obviously your veterans on defense. You know, we, we have Whitehead that came in. We have DJ Reed. We have CJ Mosley, who's been there. Um, we have a we have a D line of absolute savages. You know, one of the new guys. Sully Thomas, Thomas, um, I love Solomon, great dude. And, you know, we, we have an, a thousand other guys. I mean, yeah. not obviously literally, but you know, you, you have, you have JFM, you have across the board, we have sauce that came in. I mean, we, we really do like that. And that's obviously just talking about the defense, but you know, I, I can go on and on about the guys that can play at an extremely high level that are on the defense alone. A guy like Sauce you bring up, did you line up against him at all during OTAs or minicamp? And what was that like? Yeah, a, a, a time or two. I mean, he's, he's, he's everything um, that I think you would, you would look for in a corner. I mean, he, he's long. He has range. He gets football. He has a, he has a good football IQ. He sees things. Um, and, you know, he, he's fast. He has all the attributes. And I think more than any of that, like he, he wants, he wants to be great. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys I, that, that I've seen, you know, only in my going into year five now, they get into the league and, you know, they're, they're highly rated or highly drafted. And, you know, that's kind of you know, enough for them, you know, and, and we see it all the time. And I don't get that sense absolutely whatsoever from him. Hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see him go out and, and do his thing live, you know, hitting and, uh, and, and that defense. And I know I just spoke about the defense for five minutes, yeah. but, but it's, but it's, but it's true. And we have, 
we have guys on offense too, um, all across the board and, you know, veterans that we brought in and young guys and, you know, your, your Garrett Wilson, you know, the fourth and 10th pick this year in the draft. I mean, that, that get to line up across each other every single day and go at it. Um, and so we, we do, we have incredible pieces and again, credit to the, to upstairs for bringing them in, but you know, it's, it's about, it's about executing and it's about not losing games. You know what the interesting thing about draft picks is sometimes teams bring in a player and other teammates see that guy and they wonder, holy cow, what did this team see in this guy? I don't see anything. And usually that guy washes out like that's happened plenty, but they're also, they're also are the times where a team has drafted somebody and you could just see right away, like, wow, this guy is a man, right? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. When you Absolutely. see Garrett, when you saw Garrett Wilson during minicamp, do you see a guy who plays the same position with skills and talents? Like you've grinded and sacrificed and worked hard. Do you see a guy like that? You're like, man, I can't believe how gifted a guy like this is. I, I see, I see how gifted he is. And then I see him in meetings. I see him on the field and I see how hard he works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you, you do, you, you see the, the natural raw athletic ability is there thousand percent but there's not one part of him that relies on that i believe and and i and i truly mean that he he works just like anybody else which is why he was the 10th pick which is why he was the 10th pick and that that's why his there's no telling what his ceiling is i mean it's uh, truly i mean he's he's freakishly athletic incredibly strong hands good route runner understands football and then you know he, he works every day to become the best version of himself so, Braxton, we touched on the defense and we touched on the offense. We didn't touch specifically on the one guy, the one guy that your season's most – that your season's success is most contingent upon because I am surrounded by Jets fans. They love the Jets, and they always say, how are they going to be? And I said, they're, they're going to be better. But also, tell me exactly how Zach Wilson is going to play this year, and I'll let you know exactly how the Jets will do. So – what did we see from Zach during the offseason program that you would tell Jet fans or football fans across the country about what they might expect to see this upcoming season? Well, the very first thing that I will say, because I have to put it on record, is this season isn't solely predicated on how he plays. There, there, there's, there's a lot of okay. things outside of that that we have to do. Um, and I, to that point, I will say this, Mike White, against Cincinnati had an absolute all-time game and we didn't blow that team out. Right. Right. Because a, they're the Bengals, but B because we might've had the best day on offense, but everything has to click, you know, between defense, special teams and offense. So I want to go on record and say it is not solely predicated (laughs) on it at all. You know, we have, we have jobs to do across the board, but um, he's, he's, he's in a different, he's in a different world than he was last OTAs. Um, and, you know, last OTAs, obviously, we had a new coaching staff. We had a brand new offense. We had, you know, at the first few weeks, whatever, we didn't have everybody there because everybody was still playing with, with COVID. Yeah. Should I go? Should I not? You know, we had that whole thing. So, you know, by the time we got into late May, May last year, we had really only been there for, for the most part of the team, you know, for two, two and a half, three weeks, trying to learn a new offense, trying to figure everything out. And on top of all that, he was a rookie. So, you know, his, everything was really a whirlwind. I truly can't imagine what that was like for him. But I say that to say he did that. And then he went through a full season where he got injured, obviously. But, you know, the back half of the season, 
was completely different than the front half. And I think everything was able to to slow down for him to where he really got a grasp on, you know, just, just NFL football in general. You know, I, I can't imagine what it's like being a rookie quarterback starting, you know, starting day one in a new system. I just, I, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like. So with, with being the second pick in New York. Yes, exactly. And New York media, you say what you want to say. It, it's real. It's real. Correct. So all of that, I say to say, fast forward to now, it's, it's a different world. He knows the offense, of course, you know, tweak and changing, whatever, but he knows the offense, knows his reads, you know, is very confident when he says something in the huddle because he knows it's right instead of, you know, oh, I think, right? So the, the confidence is there. The, I mean, obviously we see the, the arm is there, the athletic yeah. ability. I mean, everything is there from a physical standpoint. And now his mental has aged so much since just a year ago that, I mean, I, I, I can't wait again. I, I, I hate talking about it because I, I hate hype. I, I, I can't stand it, but I can't wait to see him week one and see what he can do because he's, he's in a different place than he was last year. Well, look, he's talented. He's smart. He works hard. So there's a lot of things going for him that are in place. Right. Of course. And so if all those things kick in, he has a chance to be a really good quarterback. Exactly. And that's, that's what, that's what we're planning on him being. Well, being that you hate talking about that, we'll finish up on this little <laughs> item. Okay. Um, I don't ordinarily bring up the dating lives of players, but, but, but you're going to, but I'm going to here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Only because, only because you're dating the sister of Miss universe 2012, Olivia Culpo, who is dating Christian McCaffrey, very public couple. You're dating Olivia Culpo's sister, Sophia Culpo. So I just want to know, first of all, what that's like to kind of be in that stratosphere. And do you have double dates with Christian and Olivia? Do you pick up anything from Christian? I mean, what? just give me the lowdown of what you don't mind sharing here, Braxton. You know, it's really, really nice because when we do get together, we can go train and then we can go golf and they have no excuse because they're with family the entire time. Right. <laughs> yep. it, do- it doesn't matter. We, c- we can go have the day and you can't get mad because you're with your sister, you know, you're spending the day with your sister. What could be better than that? <laughs> so that has been absolutely incredible. We have a built-in excuse 24 seven. And, you know, other than that, they're, they're just, they're, they're great humans. Um, you know, me and Christian obviously align on, on a lot of things. Yeah. And so we, we love when we're able to get together um, and, and train and work out and then hang out outside of that because it's just obviously it's, it's easy for us and it's probably even, even easier for the girls. So it's been, uh, it's been really fun and we have gone on a, on a couple of double dates here and there. And Christian is a serious dude. Like he's serious. He yeah. takes it seriously, yeah. right? Absolutely. And that's, and that's, that's what you love. I mean, with there's, there's switches that we can both go on and off. I mean, we're not, when we're there to work out, we're there to work out. We're not, we're not talking about anything else, anything outside of football, outside of football, you know, outside of the weight room. We're, we're not, um, it, it's not a social hour. And that's how, that's how I've always gone about my business and obviously how he has too. So that works out really well. And then when we're off the field, we can, uh, you know, we can check out of that and, and talk about whatever else we want to, but mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the main things I, I do really enjoy and appreciate about, you know, that situation is that we, we're the same exact person as far as uh, how we go to work every day. And at the risk of turning myself into a dating insider, how long have you and Sophia been together now, Braxton? A uh, year and a half. Yeah. Year and a half. 
pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Does pretty she good. does she come up to New Jersey during the season? Like, how does all that work? Yes. So she does. She's actually she's here now. Um, but she does as as much as she can. She's here and in my off season as much as I can. I'm I'm wherever really she needs to be as as long as I can also get get everything I need to get done. Um, so she's she's been great about you know being very flexible in that sense and. Luckily, a lot of the times she can kind of be wherever and work from wherever. So that, that makes it a lot easier. And how did the two of you meet? Long story. We'll get to that next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, Braxton, I appreciate the time. Enjoy your downtime in July in Miami. Lots of luck this upcoming season. Congratulations on the new deal. And I really appreciate you taking the time today to speak with us. Thank you. Absolutely, man. I had a blast. And so there is Braxton Berrios, who has turned into one of Zach Wilson's favorite receivers, a fan favorite in the New York metropolitan area, and who bolsters an improved Jets wide receiving core headed into this offseason. That's headlined by Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jeff Smith, and of course, Braxton Berrios giving Zach Wilson a wide array of targets. Now, Barry also will be heading down to Miami, and he will be gearing up for the Jets' regular season opener, and we know that he will be ready for that game when it comes. All right, before I let you go, let me tell you about Swaggo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, Swaggo, and Kendrick Perkins. Perk, with new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journey, with can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. All right. want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting this together this upcoming week. want to thank Braxton Berrios for joining us. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. We're going to try to take a little bit of downtime here. The next week or two, depending on the availability of some guests, we'll see how that shakes out. But there'll be a week or two here mixed in that we take off during this quiet time of the NFL year. We'll be tracking the Watson news, the Lamar news, the AFC North quarterback news. But for now, we hope everybody gets some real quiet time in preparation of the crazy NFL season ahead. It's not far away right now. We all know it's coming, and I hope until then, everybody has some nice, quiet time. And until then, be well and stay safe.